Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey, sports fans. This episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Wow. Black Rifle Coffee. We'll talk about a meteoric rise in the world of coffee. They went from a small, little veteran-owned company to literally being on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and uh, as a publicly traded entity in a very short order. And I I couldn't be prouder of being associated with Black Rifle Coffee. They make some phenomenal products. If you guys are like me, you love your coffee. You, you have a hard time even functioning without it. And they have a whole slate of products, but I'm going to talk about my favorite one. And it's They have all kinds of different roasts, and while they're all good, I am so partial to the JB roast, the Just Black. I am an old-school dude. I I still sharpen pencils with a pocket knife. I still take handwritten notes. I write love letters to my wife, handwritten ones. I uh, do things the old-school way, and a lot of people would say the hard way. I like to hunt waterfall with an over-and-under shotgun. You can uh, tease me for that if you want to, but I'm old school. And the Black Rifle Coffee Company's JB Roast is an old school black coffee roast. It's just black. And I got to say, I have tried them all, and that one's my favorite. The JB Roast from Black Rifle Coffee fuels us here at Wingman, fuels me especially here at Wingman. If you go sit in a blind with me, and I pop open my coffee cup, there's going to be Black Riffle Coffee JB in there steaming away on those cold days, keeping us hot, sharp, and ready to go for that next flight that wings into the decoys. Hey, Wingmen. Welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast by Eastman's. And today's guest is Chuck Belmore. Chuck, how you doing, man? Doing great, buddy. Doing great. I- I really appreciate you having me or you having the time, making the time to come on the podcast. I've heard Chuck Belmore stories for probably three weeks in the office now. Uh-oh. I hope that's good stories. They're all good. They're all good. Good. No, I, uh, I hear that you have like lots of good life advice, marriage advice, life hacks. <laughs> I try. I try. You know, I've got a loving wife that's been with me for, gosh, don't get me started here, 21 years now. It'll be 21 years this year. And uh, I try to portray that everything's just smooth as silk. But, you know, if you hunt and you fish, especially if you do it as much as I do, you're going to have ups and downs. So what I try to do is any young man that listen to me, I try to tell them, look, I've been there. I've done that. I've figured out a better way to skin this cat. Listen to me. You know, I try to save them a little bit of the grief that I've went through and my buddies have went through and we've learned from. Yeah, I hear you there. I heard there's uh you have a secret for finagling more money into your hunt plans. Well, something <laughs> about getting a car detailed or Yeah. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. Uh for Valentine's Day, just tell your wife, you know, let her drive your truck to work and you take her car and tell her you're gonna have it detailed. Well, you just take it and run it through the car wash, the tunnel car wash. Like here, it's eight bucks. 
Well, you know, to get a car detailed, it's usually about 150. Well, then you bring it home. When she comes home that afternoon and says, this sucks. It, these guys did a terrible job. You say, yeah, honey, they did. They did a terrible, terrible job. You know, 150 bucks. I'll never use that guy again. Well, then you got, you know, 140 bucks to go hunting on this weekend. So, you know, it, it's just little things like that to keep everything kosher without anybody getting mad about it. I love it. I love it. That was, that was <laughs> one of the things, one of, of course, everything's secondhand, you know, I'm hearing these Chuck Belmore stories and I'm like, okay, I got to get this dude on the podcast and figure this stuff um, out. But you're way more than one liners, man. Tell us about who, who is Chuck Belmore? Well, um, it's a complex story, but it's a good one. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm a 48 year old plumber that lives in West Georgia. And just by the grace of God, I got into the outdoor industry. Um, and started making, you know, we started out making YouTube videos on bowfish. And, you know, growing up as a kid, um, I always watched Bill Dance and Orlando Wilson and, and stuff on Saturday morning. And honestly, growing up, all I wanted to do was fish. I thought that was just the greatest job ever. Well, the older I got and the more I fished and I hunted, um, I, I just fell in love with hunting more than, than fishing. It was just it was that final, I don't want to say the kill, but there's just something about the finality of it of I won this game. And, you know, then when you put in the substance side of it and, and the trophy aspect of it, it just built on and built on and built on. And then it just opened up so many different things, you know, to where as a kid, I felt like, well, if I've caught one bass, I've caught them all. You know, whether I go to California and catch a largemouth or I go to West Georgia and catch a largemouth, it's still largemouth bass. Well, the hunting aspect opened up a whole lot of things. You know, it's like all the different species of turkeys or all the different species of ducks or all the different species of big game. And so my mind just started to wander the older I got. And uh, once I got into college, I started just kind of meeting people from around the you know United States and, and really from the southeast and opportunities started opening up. And uh, I was just crazy enough to, you know, eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a, and a thing of pork and beans and put every dollar I had in the gas tank and go do stuff with people that said, hey, man, if you ever want to come out here and, you know, shoot a Rio, come on. Well, come Thanksgiving or, you know, whatever, I'd say, well, you going home this weekend? You know, yeah, I'm going to go back to my house and deer hunt. Well, you know, is that is the information still good for deer hunting? So off I'd go to Texas, you know, for the weekend to deer hunt. But just uh, long story short, it, it, I got into the hunting industry kind of by mistake and by accident. Um, the housing market, when it crashed in 2008, I was really doing good and, and successful in the plumbing industry. I was just, I thought I was set, you know, going to be retired by the time I was 45. But Uncle Obama had a different plan for me and uh, I lost everything. Well, I took my last $30,000 and bought a camera and started producing, you know, little YouTube videos and little bitty, like we did a DVD and just one thing led to another, man. And I really, I met the right people and I got lucky. Wow. Wow. That is, that's crazy. So $30,000 was your nest egg and you just went with it. What, what were some of the first things that you did? Well, you know, like I said, we, we lost, I sat around here and twiddled my thumbs for two years from 2008 to 2010. Honestly, I didn't draw a check and, and people, you know, they, they don't grasp the concept of, you know, when you're a small business owner 
everybody eats before you do. And when I say everybody, I mean the bank, your employees, your kids, your wife, everybody else. And, you know, you're at the end and everything gets put on the backside. Well, I did that for two years. And then it, we got down, like I said, to the last little bit there. And I, you know, my wife's like, what are we going to do? And I said, well, well, heck, sitting here trying to work for a living, so I'm making it. So I said, we're going to roll the dice. I said, I'm going to take a, you know, everybody's super consuming content because nobody was working. It was kind of like the pandemic, the way everybody took in podcasts and took in everything digitally they could get. Well, the same thing happened in 2008 to 2010. We just didn't have as much content online as we got now. So first thing we did was we shot a bow fishing DVD. Uh, me and a couple of buddies of mine, John Justice, one of the guys that's on the show, and, and another guy that owned a bow fishing store over in Alabama. And uh, we started selling DVDs, like basically just like a rap star out of the, out of the back of the truck. You know, we, uh, we sold enough DVDs just in his little bow fishing store and kind of through friends online to get up enough money to get our first NWTF booth. And we went to NWTF and we set up a, took the big or the biggest TV I had, took it off the wall, went to NWTF and set it up and started playing this bow fishing DVD. And everybody that come by is like, holy cow, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, hey, you wanna buy a $15 DVD? Well, they did. Well, the next thing I know, like the second day we were there, one of the guys from Moose Media, the Pursuit Channel comes over there and they're like, um, you need to be on TV with this because, you know, I'm, you'll see, I like to talk a bunch and cut up and have a good time. And, and he's like, man, you got the personality for this. You know, you need to need to think about doing a television show. Well, I just kind of blew it off. And me and my buddies were just like, man, that's funny. You know, yeah, a TV show. That's a good one. Well, then when I went home, I started thinking about it. And I'm like, man, maybe that guy's right. You know, and and like I said, just one thing kind of led to another. And I ended up that next that spring um, met Caleb Copeland. He was working, working with sub seven promotions at the time and they were doing a Lee and Tiff show. And uh, he reached out to me. He had seen some of our stuff on YouTube and said, Hey, uh, Lee and Tiff's going to be in Huntsville, Alabama. And would you like to take them out and do a bow fishing show? Well, you know, I was just Google Gaga. I'm like, Lee and Tiffany, heck yeah, this will be awesome. So we went out and filmed the first television show I ever did with those guys and had an absolute ball. Well, we ended up doing another one later on in the summer. And then they kind of took me in and, gave me some good advice of how to, you know, structure a show and, and basically produce a show because Lee thought it was cool. He's like, this is really neat. You know, it's going to take a, a, a pain in production to get this to where it's not just fish after fish after fish montage, you know, kind of like a duck hunting show. He's like, because they all kind of look the same, but he's like, it's going to take a little production, but man, I think you can do this, you know, and they, they just, they were really candid with a lot of the dollar amounts, you know, what it was going to cost on airtime and what I should pay and who I need to talk to and how I need to structure it. And, uh, you know, without them, I probably would have never had the, the confidence to jump in on it. That's so cool. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, looking at some of your social media and you definitely get after the bow fishing, man. That is, that is, uh, you went right from turkeys this spring to, to bow fishing. Yeah. That's our thing. You know, like it's hard for people to understand, but, um, I eat, sleep, and breathe hunting. Like, I just, there's something about it. And my wife, I speak freely about this because my wife says it's true. But my ex-girlfriend, when I was in college, she was a psychology major. After being together with her for three years, she sat me down. She said, look, you really have a condition. And I'm like, huh? She said, you really do have an obsessive compulsive condition about the outdoors. And I thought, woman, you're crazy. Well, the more she explained it to me, the more I realized she's right. 
you know, she's like, think about it. When you have to stay at home and do something with me or you have to go to work or you have to do this, you're always mad and miserable. And all you can think about when you when you're doing that is, you know, I bet there's a deer walking by my stand or I bet there's, you know, I bet the ducks come in here, in here on this front, you know, or, or I bet the fish are spawning. And she was absolutely right. But I'm just one of those people that I love it. You know, you got you got um, professional athletes that love football and love golf. And I, in my mind, cannot comprehend how somebody can wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to I'm going to get that pitch today. I'm going to get it down. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to throw a thousand pitches until I get it down. I don't get it. But I wake up in the morning and as soon as my feet hit the ground, I'm like, I wish I was hunting today and not going to work, you know? So I can understand there's something there. Uh, it's, uh, it sounds like you and I are cut from the same cloth, brother. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wow. it. You know, it's like, it, it's like a dog. You either got it or you don't. And I, and I don't, I don't, you can't beat it in them and you can't beat it out of them. They either want to hunt or they don't. And, the ones that's got it, got it. And the ones that don't, they just, there ain't nothing you can do about it. No, that is, that is so true. And, and I, I, I think, I think you're onto something with that too, when it comes to, we could take this into hunting, hunter recruitment. I mean, obviously a lot of different people get into hunting for different reasons. Um, I'm sure you and I got into it very similarly. It was, it was a family thing. It was something that I, I was personally, I was raised with and just tore up with it all the time, 24 seven, consume my thoughts from when I was a little kid till to this day, I still think about it all the time. And I, I wonder if some of the folks, <coughs> excuse me, some of the folks that we get recruited in, into the hunting world, um, and I'm not saying everybody has to be like you and me, you know, everybody's got to, everybody should do their own thing, but you can't, you can't beat it into somebody. They either are going to take to it and love it or they're not. Right. No, I agree with you too. And, and that's kind of the avenue I've taken with my children. Um, I've got a little boy that's 13 and my little girl's just fixing to turn 16. And, you know, they both shot their first turkeys and they both shot deer and, and they, they enjoy it. They really do. But what's so great is when I walk in the door and I say, hey, you know, Gage or Gracie, y'all want to you go deer hunting? They're like, uh, is it going to be any good? And I'm like, well, it might be. And, you know, they kind of like, well, if it's going to suck, I'm going to stay at home. I can do this or I can do that. But anytime I walk to the door and I'm like, hey, guys, let's go boat fishing. Not even a question. They're changing clothes. They're ready to rock and roll. And, and to touch on what you said earlier about us jumping into boat fishing, that is why, like, that is my that was my niche. And, and once I realized it, um, you know, I'm great friends with John Paul Morse and, and his dad, Johnny Morse is probably the most interesting person I've ever met, especially when it comes to the outdoors. Um, I've never met a true visionary that, that when you're around someone, it, it really, cause like I said, I like to talk a lot, but very rarely will, will I just sit back and just go, golly, this guy's incredible, but he is one of those type of people and, and building on that, I know that I don't have the opportunities to do for the outdoors and for conservation what Johnny has done, but I found my niche through bow fishing and it was women love it and kids love it. And it's because it's action. It's warm. They don't have to be quiet. It's on the lake. A lot of times you can go waiting, you know, it's not very expensive. So that was one of the reasons I laser focused on that in the beginning. It was like, Hey, this is my niche. I'm good at it. And 
these people listen to me because they deem me as a bow fishing expert, which I'm not an expert, but I'm good at it. And so like we got these kids and the, and the girls and, and they just love it. And, and it's like, it, that's their gateway drug hunting side of it. You know, they're like, well, Hey, I had a good time going boat fishing. Maybe I'm going to try turkey hunting or maybe I'm going to go duck hunting now. So that's what kind of got me on to the being hot headed into the boat fishing side of it. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something there with being, with having a, being a gateway, whenever you can find something that is fun, fast paced, loaded up, you know, if I, if I, I'm the same way, I have little kids. But if I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to go do this, they're, eh, because it's, you know, we're going to go hunt antelope. They know that means a full day of the truck riding around, glassing lots, yeah. hike, hiking, you know, and it's kind of like, I don't know. But if I tell yeah. them, yeah, we're going to go down to the duck blind for a little while, that means powdered sugar donuts and hot chocolate <laughs> and lots of action and the dogs are there and they get to eat whatever they want. Yeah, it, you got to – it's got to be both, man. You got to hook them. That's it. And and today, you know, I try to I try to keep uh, an open mind. Um, you know, but things are different. How old are you? I I'll be forty four next week. Okay, I'm forty eight. So we're out there in the same category, right? You know, they say each generation has their own, you know, pro- problems and and uh, yeah, hurdles. And I believe it. You know, with when we're looking at trying to get kids in the outdoors right now. You know, we have to remember that not only is it harder to get them out there just because the access and all the other obvious things that are there now, the hurdles to jump through, but children, there is nothing in their life as slow paced as it was when you and I grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons and Bill Dance. Well, now they have a million outdoors. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) In, in, In the wild kingdom, you know. And, and now kids have so much to choose from. Like I, I use Instagram or uh, TikTok, I'm sorry, and Instagram. I mean, those reels are 30 seconds and, and, you know, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And it's just, well, it's hard to take a kid and set them down for three hours and say, sit still, don't make a move, don't make a sound. And then just latch on to it. I'm not saying there's some kids that don't just love it. You know, like you and I probably it's right up our alley. But if we would have been born in a different time, and it might have been harder to get us into that that outdoor realm just because it's so slow paced, you know. And that's why I love turkey hunting and duck hunting. Um, now I, I love big game stuff, but man, you know, if you give me an opportunity to go sit in a duck blind or climb up a tree and hang off the side of it like a monkey and shoot a whitetail, I'm like, can we do both? Can I shoot ducks in the morning and go whitetail hunting in the evening? You know, I'm gonna try to finagle it around where I can get both of them, you know. No, you are spot on 100%. Um, obviously, being attached to the Eastman side of things, we, we, I loved a, absolutely loved a big game hunt, but man, waterfowl, waterfowl, bird hunting in general, you know, waterfowl, I kind of lump it all together with turkeys and waterfowl and upland bird hunting. It's just, man, if there's shotguns and or dogs involved, I'm in. Exactly. I'm right there with you. It's just, it hits a different side of your, you know, your persona. It's just something about it that that's, that's what you need to satisfy that. Yeah, no, there's, there's nothing quite like a good morning in the duck blind. We're, we're cutting uh, YouTube videos right now. Um, everything from last winter, getting them prepped for release throughout the year and just having the chance to sit back and watch some of that stuff again is, 
it's fun, man. It's it's cool. Oh, so yeah. you, so you do you do obviously you know bow fishing videos, all that stuff. What else? What else? There's more to Chuck Belmore than just that. Yeah, we do everything. You know, um, we do a couple of different things. Uh, our major two things now um, is a show we do digitally uh, called The Hunting Habit. Yep. And then we're also working on a brand new series called Make It Happen. And I'm really excited about that. We've done The Hunting Habit for a couple of years. Um, it's parked on Mossy Oak Go. You know, like I said before, it's just a, a hodgepodge of different stuff. Everything from bow fishing to, to antelope, you know, duck hunting, turkey hunting, you name it, we do it all on there, shooting hogs at night with thermal, um, coyotes, everything. Um, but this new show we're working on called Make It Happen is basically um, just like we were talking about earlier is is these guys that, that love to hunt, but they live in, like take it for me, for example, when we did it from my point of view, I live in West Georgia. Well, we have a little bit of turkey hunting, a little bit of, you know, whitetail hunting, but Besides that, I mean, I'm just kind of pigeonholed on what I can do if I stay here. Well, what we got tired of hearing is all these guys say, man, it must be nice. You know, all the friends I grew up with and people I meet, like, man, it must be nice to be able to go and, and shoot a Rio this weekend in Texas. So, you know, I, and I would explain to them, I'm like, well, look, you know, I got 350 bucks in that trip. Now, I didn't eat out every night and, you know, I didn't stay in the finest lodge, but, uh, I went out there and did a DIY hunt on a whitetail ranch where they don't give a crap about turkeys. They think they're nothing but corn eaters. And, uh, you know, I fixed the guy's bathtub and everybody's happy. And people just don't think that you can do it like that. So we decided to make a show. We've been wanting to do it for a couple of years. And finally this year, uh, we teamed up with Black Rock Coffee and Angel Point and Mossberg. And then our other sponsors, they've, we've worked together with Bass Pro and Cabela's and Faradine for so long. They're just like, do whatever. We know it's going to be good. Just do it. We trust it. <laughs> And so, so we actually got some extra funding this year and those guys were all excited about it. So it worked out really good, but that's what we're working on now. And, and we just got back off the road. We did a, 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 um, a week and a half trip. We started in South Texas, a Turkey tour. Uh, we left South Texas, um, went to Kansas and then left Kansas and went to Nebraska and, uh, just basically kept everything on a budget and showed people how you could do it for just basically pennies on the dollar you know and and i'll go ahead and tell you the gist of the thing is is you know everybody gets two weeks off work and if you're a serious turkey hunter and you want to try to get your slam you know um you can start in south texas and go get your rio and go to kansas and either get an eastern or a rio there if you didn't work in texas then you can go to nebraska and you can get all the other three there and uh then after that all you worried about is your high dollar one which is going to be your osceola but uh we said you know take three thousand dollars two weeks off of work, which everybody gets for vacation, take a thousand bucks, send your wife to the beach with the kids for a week. And then you go dirt cheap and start either knocking on doors or trading out stuff and just work your way up. And, and we kept up with everything, documented everything and how we did it and what we traded out and everything else. So it's, it, it worked out pretty good. Them shows are starting to come out. So they'll be out by next week. And people can see those on Mossy Oak Go. Where else can they catch them? No. Those those are actually going to live on Carbon TV right now, okay. YouTube, and um, that'll be the two main places for them right now. And then, of course, we're going to push them straight to our social media sites, too, yeah, on cool. Instagram and Facebook. And, and we get so much engagement on social media. It's hard just to park them in one place anymore. And even like, you know, like Carbon, um, you know, you, when you when you load up your stuff on there now, they're not even requiring exclusivity anymore. It's just because they know everybody's parking stuff everywhere. 
So it works out good. Just where everybody can get their hands on is what we want it to be. Yeah, more eyeballs, more eyeballs you can you can put it in front of the the better. You know, it makes it, it yeah. makes everybody happy. You got the people that are consuming it are happy because they're getting entertainment value out of it and some knowledge. Obviously, you got the DIY side of it. It sounds to me like you guys are kind of on the secret sauce a little bit there. I I love that idea of showing people that hey, look, everybody can do this stuff. It's hunting. Hunting's getting the bad rap of becoming a rich man's game, and it's not. You can still do a lot of DIY stuff. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's you, you'll see if you if you follow along our series, um, we kind of build up to this, but it it all revolves around relationships, you know. And and my degree is in sociology, and and you'll see that all the stuff we do there's always a little bit of that touch in there. Not only do I want to show somebody how they can do it, how they can be successful and why they should do it as far as being fun and, you know, for conservation, but also I show it to, to teach people a little bit of lesson in life. And that, and that's what this whole series is, is at the end of the day, everything that we do is about relationships, whether it be my relationship with Eastman's or my relationship with you or my relationship with my sponsors, or just some guy, a farmer that I meet at the post office on Saturday morning. You know, a lot of people don't understand when you go to these small towns, there's two places every rich farmer goes to on Saturday, the post office and the bank. You go sit at either one of those in, a, in, a, in your camouflage and sit there eating a, eating a biscuit and drinking a Diet Coke and, and with Georgia plates, and they're going to pull in, and when they look and see that truck with Georgia plates, they're going to go, and the first thing I'll say is, are you lost or can I help you? There comes the conversation. And like I said, I love to talk. I'm like, no, sir, I just thought I might be able to find the richest farmer in town up here that's had a problem with deer eating his crops. And then they start talking. And the next thing you know, I got 5,000 acres to hunt. Because they're like, you drove all the way up here from Georgia without anywhere to hunt. And I'm like, yeah, I played football without a helmet in high school. And they start <laughs> laughing. And next thing you know, Next thing you know, like I said, you're over there, you know, having a cold beer with the guys at lunch and, and you got 5,000 acres to hunt, you know? So there's just all kind of different ways, but stuff like that just, it just gets me going and gets me excited, but it just has always killed me because people give up so easy. And, and like our tagline is, is find a way or find an excuse. And guys will go out of their way to find an excuse why they can't go do something that you did but then criticize you for, man, it must be nice, big money. Or, you know, if I didn't have to work and I'm like, well, dude, I got two jobs, you know, that ain't an excuse there, you know? So that's that, it in a nutshell. No, you're spot on, man. That is very true. You know, we just, we just got back from, we don't film a ton of Turkey episodes, but try to get one, maybe two a year um, for what we do. And we just, we just wrapped up in Montana last week and my my job here at Eastman's didn't stop because I was up there filming turkey hunting. Exactly. I was working, you know, on my phone and on a laptop and, and the only place you had service was in one spot and had Wi-Fi, And, you know, it was it, one life doesn't stop because you're doing something else. That's exactly right. And, and nowadays, you know, very rarely are you out of service completely, you know, like some places we hunt, we might be out for half a day, but sooner or later, you're going to come into service. And it's that discipline of sitting down and going, Hey, I got to stop right here. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to return this call. I got to return this text. I need to send this guy an email. 
but that all goes back to that being a good person, that golden rule, treat somebody like you like to be treated and just do what you say you're going to do. And it's amazing when you do that, the opportunities that roll down the hill to you that I see people that don't return phone calls or don't return text or don't close a gate, you know, or, or don't fix something. If they said, yeah, we'll fix it before we leave that wreck. They don't get those opportunities offered to them because people are like, okay, you just show me what kind of person you are. And that is, that's, like I said, that's the underlying theme of this whole show is be a good person, do what you say and do. And these are the opportunities that's out there. And that's a great context. I, I'm going to have definitely have to look those up, but we will, we will put links in descriptions and share whatever we can share, man, because I, I know I want to check that out and I know people listening are going to want to see that too, because you're, you're resonating with something that I believe in wholeheartedly and it's come up time after time after time on this podcast is relationships, you know, whether it be your, your work relationships, your relationship with your family, relationship, like you said, with people that you'd meet on the street, strangers. But the one thing that connects all of us in the hunting industry, in the hunting world, I hate, I hate saying the word industry, but kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes sense, you know, whatever. But the, the one thing that connects us is our stories. And those stories are centered on relationships. You know, and, you know, you and I are sitting here having a conversation. Who knows where this is going to lead? We may find ourselves in a duck blind next December. And you know? I hope so. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. That would be that'd be a lot of fun. You know, but it just every single person that, that we that I talk to, it comes up one way or another. Yeah, I, and I totally agree with you, you know, and it, it is a breath of fresh air to do what we do. And I thank God every day that I get the chance to do it and meet people like y'all that that are just like-minded and, and great individuals. And this is what I always try to remember um, when I'm meeting someone new or, you know, when I look at the hunting industry or the hunting world every day, you know, you and I go home tonight and, and our wives and, and our families come in and they click on the TV and all they see is, you know, confrontation people don't like people, you know, you can't go here without getting mugged or you can't go here without getting shot and black people don't like white people, white people don't like brown people, brown people don't like yellow people and red people don't like green people. And the media just tells you nobody likes, no, nobody likes anybody. But as soon as you leave your hometown and you go to, you know, uh, Waco, Texas, and you meet a guy at the hardware store and, you know, you make friends with him and he doesn't know you from Adam. You're just like, wait a minute. That stuff they say on the news every night. That's not real. That's not real life. Well, then you leave there and you drive to Kansas and you go to the local, local butcher shop and you go in there and say, Hey man, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about buying some of your best steaks. And the guy's like, well, that accent, where are you from? Well, I'm from Georgia. What are you doing here? I come up here to see if I can find a place to turkey hunt. Well, guess what? The butcher of that town, he knows the biggest cattle farmer on that place. Guess what? Guess what cows do? They eat grain. They crap grain. Guess what eats grain? Turkeys. Well, there you go. He says, hey, this is the guy you need to call. He's got more turkeys. Not know what, you know, than anybody. And it's just now you're friends with him, you know, and as long as you do what you say you're going to do, that's a lifelong, you know, a lifelong friend that you got that who knows? He might be in Georgia next year and need something. And that's that's just one of the things, like I said, that that has got me so fired up about the whole thing is like, 
you just don't ever know. And, and all the people that I've met through bow fishing and hunting, it's unreal. It's unreal. And 99% of them are freaking awesome people. I'm not saying there's not a crazy, arrogant butthole out there because everybody knows that one guy. But for the most part, you know, I about lay my hat on, you know, everybody else and say, these, these are good dudes and good women that will give you the shirt off their back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think you're, man, you're so, you're so right, Chuck, in that we're led to believe that we are all so different and that we're all so divided. And even, even in our hunting world, in our, in our little, in our circle in the hunting, in the hunting world, it's like, we're all on the same team. But man, we fight a lot, man. We, oh, pick, yeah. we pick at each other a lot. You know, I get and it, it. And it doesn't matter if it's different, if it's another media company or if it's somebody else's show, or if it's somebody wearing different clothes or shooting a different gun or, well, I can't, I can't believe you like to hunt turkeys. They're so stupid. Or man, why would you ever, you name it, man, you name it. And it, we need to knock that off. Well, you know, the hottest topic right now is the failing of turkeys, you know, reaping, failing, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yep. And that goes to what you just said. You know, everybody's got their own opinions of it. You know, heck, we fanned four last weekend, and I've been just ridiculed about it. I mean, on social media, guys are like, right. well, you know, I was a big fan until I seen you fanning that turkey on, you know, on that golf course. And I'm like, well, well I mean, you know, I mean, if you, if you don't like the technique I used – but it's the same outcome, you know, you can be critical of it. I understand. And I'm going to respect your opinion, but at the same time, you know, that would be the difference of me, of me saying, well, you know, you really should use a 20 gauge for those geese and just let them get closer instead of using a 12 gauge, because you're just not, you're not a purist if you don't let them get under 20 yards. Well, it's the same outcome. It's the same legal bag limit. And we're doing it for the same reasons because that red stuff in our veins, that's honey. That's why I'm doing this. That's why you do it. So why should we start splitting it up and going, yeah, but, but mine's better. My way's a better way than yours. So let's fight about it. You know, and I think, you know, Waddell touched on it a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it because I hadn't really been jumped on about it. But this weekend when we posted some of the stuff about it, guys just went crazy. And I'm like, is it that big a deal? You know, is that really what we got to worry about? <laughs> Oh, it, it blows my mind how quick we all are to to jump down somebody's throat or get on somebody's case because we don't like the way they did something. You know, the, the turkey hunt that we just went on just came back from birds had been all over this place. They dispersed. We couldn't get up there because the weather early in the season, we got they got a foot of snow. You know, it was like there's we're not even gonna be it. The roads are closed. Yeah, I heard. I heard y'all had a lot of snow up in the day. We did. We did. And it was, we just didn't hunt. And so I was two weeks out putting it off. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, now we can go. Well, guess what happened? All those birds that they had all winter dispersed. They're gone. We found two mature gobblers in, in, in four days of hunting on thousands of acres. And it was, and they were hand up. Ever, both those gobblers were constantly with hands. You think they'd come to a call? Nope. They, they gobble, they gobble at you, but they're not going to get you. To, you're not going to get them to come. And man, we, we, we killed turkeys, but it was not the textbook set up, call them in, bang, bang, you know, double up. Uh, it, it was not the textbook way to do it, but we filled our tags. It was legal. 
and you know we got it done and we it was what it was we got laughing about it on the ride home it was like and that was a pretty unconventional hunt you know we killed one with a bow one with a, one with a 12 gauge and it was like yeah but it worked and it was actually quite challenging the way we ended up having to do it so yeah yeah well, but well, I, you know well that's it you know and and i'm the first to field the ball on on this one right here um it what you what you just said there's nothing wrong with it that's turkey hunting the problem is and like i said i'm going to field the ball on this one me being part of the hunting industry for the last or the hunting television side of it for four years on the sportsman's channel i'm just as much to blame as lee and tiff as as nick and michael as you know the juries as everybody else we have shown these guys this is what turkey hunting is you go sit down you call he flies down he struts 150 yards in across a biologic food plot that's just manicured he struts the whole way in he gobbles and then he comes to the decoy at 10 yards and puts on the show for 15 minutes and then you pull the trigger and you get up high five do your cutaways and show your sponsors and everybody's happy well the problem is is these younger hunters that they they think that's the way it really works you know the guys that haven't hunted a lot and i and i say that because my kids told me the same thing like when we first started deer hunting they're like daddy this spot sucks i'm like what do you mean and they're like well y'all always see stuff every time you go in the woods and i'm like no 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 that's that's just deer. that's the way we show it on tv you know to keep people engaged and, and it's entertainment but but in reality like you said turkey hunting isn't a turkey doesn't read the script every time. And some of the guys that I know that kill the most turkeys and that, that are the most passionate about a wild turkey, they laugh when they watch one of our shows. And they watch a turkey strut in for an hour, you know, all the way across this field. And, and then I let him get in there and turn around and gobble and strut and drum. And, and they're like, I'd have killed that thing 10 times by now. You know, <laughs> but I'm like, it's, it's different. It's Filming's different than just, just hunting. But uh, I'm right there. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm to blame for a lot of that. Because just like everybody, you know, we want to make it pretty. We want to make it as pretty as it can be. And hunting yeah. is not always that way. No, no. And, you know, that's one of the things that I appreciate about the Eastman's and I've appreciated about their brand for a long time and why I wanted to get tied in with them was that it, it you know, it's real. They, they show what they show what's real. And we try to do the same thing with with wingman. And it's sometimes that real isn't very pretty. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I always say we'll try to carry it over with some jokes and some uh and some good laughs, you know what I mean? Exactly. So if we got to hurry up something, we'll, we got a little something extra there to pat it. Oh, man, no kidding. No kidding. Well, I heard it, uh, you, you talked about a little bit, but you, I heard that you just recently got home from a turkey bender, as you called it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Like I said, we ended up uh, we ended up doing really good and, and got in and, and uh, crammed about a, a, a five-day work week into three days and ended up having to go to Missouri uh for uh, the U.S. Open, which is Bass Pro Shop's biggest boat fishing tournament in the in the country, and um, we ended up having to be there this weekend, which worked out really great because their turkey season was open, and uh, JP and his family, you know, of course they own some golf courses there around Branson, which is where they had the fishing event. So we were able to smooch in on some golf course turkeys that never get harassed or anything. So it was just an absolute ball. You know, we got to cut up and drive around on the golf course, uh, golf course and in the golf carts and 
go in the clubhouse and camouflage. You know, we're there at uh, one of Tiger Woods' golf courses shooting turkeys off the greens, and people are just like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, this is the epitome of redneck. This, you know, this is, this is it right here. But it was awesome. The turkeys did great. You know, they wasn't hand up, um, and it was just dang good. Um, four states in, in two weeks, and, and now I'm back home in Georgia, and we've got two weekends left, and we're completely greened out. Uh, thunderstorms all weekend, but I'm, I'm going to be after them. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but we're going to see. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, man. That's that's awesome. And we we finally hit some springtime weather here. It got up to almost 80 out here today, and everything's wow. gre- everything's greening up. We still have almost a month of turkey season left. Um, Good, dude. Yeah, so I'll get after them somewhere here in Wyoming. It'll be fun, but it seems like every year we I, we have these big plans to go on these, like you did, or some road trip someplace, and the Rocky Mountain West in the springtime is one weather event after another, it seems oh, like. Yeah. So well, it's always been that way when I've, when I, anytime I've ever hunted out there, it's the highs and lows, yeah. you know, it's, it's 30 degrees one day and 80 the next. And I'm like, golly, how do these people and these animals adjust, you know, cause it's yeah. just constantly, like you said, up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we feel the same way about you guys. It's like, how do you breathe in, in that humidity out down there? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Every bit of it's got its own set of uh, difficulties for sure. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. But yeah, man. So what, what do you got going now? Are you pretty much just bow fishing for the rest of the summer, spring and summer? Yeah. Um, like I said, we work with Faradine um, products. You know, they own Rage, Muzzy, Nocturnal Knox, um, Muzzy Bow Fishing. They're really big into bow fishing. Um, they, when they purchased that brand, Muzzy was one of the strongest brands out there. And they really shorted up when they purchased it. So all the guys that are over there now, you know, all the you know, from the vice president all the way down. They love the bow fish, so they're really strong into it. So they've got their big tournament coming up um, the first of next month down in Vicksburg, Mississippi. So that'll be our next public event. But in between now and then, just, um, you know, we, we'll be chasing turkeys until the end of the season here in Georgia, bow fishing uh, when we can slide it in. And then off to the NRA show. We'll be at the NRA show uh, at the end of the month there in Houston. Looking forward to that. That's always a good event. I love getting out and seeing everybody. You know, the NRA show is a total different breed of, of person that, and, and, you know, I say a different breed of person. There's just a different type of person than your average hunting show brings out. I always say you bring out the rich, the rich white guys. It's funny, but, but it's so funny because they're just totally, you know, a lot of them don't really know a lot about hunting. So I love going and working with our sponsors. Um, I'll be there with, with IRA Thermal and, and Mossberg and Black Rifle Coffee. But you go and you you get to talk to a lot of these guys, and a lot of them don't know a lot about hunting, and they're just hungry for knowledge. And whereas if I go to NWTF or I go to Shot Show or something, most of the guys there, you know, they're pretty affluent in hunting language, and they 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 pretty much know what's going on. Well, when you go to NRA, those guys are just hungry. They're they want to know like, well, what what do I need to go to hunt this, or or what would you suggest to do this? And they're really wanting to know because they know about guns, but they don't know about you know how to go hunt with them. So uh, I always look forward to that show, but that'll be in Houston this year. But besides that, we're going to be doing some prairie dogs, um, some thermal hog hunting, uh, just get us all the way through the summer. And then we'll jump right into the, the early, you know, uh, teal and dove and then jump right into big game. 
That's sweet, man. I'll have to have you back on for, and we'll, we can talk ducks when we're when we're when oh, we yeah. start doing that. That's that's uh, that sounds like a heck of a good time, heck of a good summer. That NRA show sounds really interesting too. I bet, I bet, like you said, you meet some some really interesting people there. Oh, you do. You know, I, every every time I've went, um, you know, President Trump was at the at the last one I attended before COVID and everything, and and it's just a, it's a celebration of the second amendment, you know, and, and you always say, well, that's our people, but it really is. But, uh, but it's, it's just a different, I don't want to say a genre or just, it's just a different feel than your average hunting show. Um, but the people love it, you know, and um, it's just a, it's a celebration of America. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds absolutely incredible. Oh, that is super cool. But um, what, when you're out, when so I got to ask you this question: When it comes to turkeys, what's your favorite one to hunt, and why? Man, you know I could go with the the common answer, the one that gobbles, but <laughs> but I know what you're getting. At. Um, <clears throat> I would have to say the Rios, just and the reason being is because I grew up hunting easterns here in the south, in the timber, and you know when I shot my first one when I was fourteen. And my dad, my dad was an overroad trucker. You know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And and he grew up deer hunting. And, you know, I can remember the first time I ever heard a turkey gobble, he and I was on a little 48-acre piece of property my uncle owned here, which is 20 minutes from my house now. And uh, we had an old, like a 70-something model Ford truck, and the door squeaked real bad when you opened it up. And we drove down there to the field one night, and I don't even remember what we were doing. I think we were shooting 22s, and and I got out and opened that door, and it went real loud, and this turkey just pounded on the on the limb, and I was like, and I looked, and my dad said, "Did you hear that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Well, he took and just slammed the door, and when he did, it gobbled again, and I we were both just like, "That's a freaking turkey." Well, you know, back then. Every the only thing I knew about a wild turkey was I see all these hunting signs in Walmart and Kmart, you know, thousand dollar fine and or one year in jail if you kill one. You know, they were super protected because there wasn't that many. So for me to hear that turkey, it just was like, well, that's wild. Well, you know, I've never seen one in the woods or anything. Long story short, um, my kids, um, seven year old, seven year old, my little my little girl was seven years old. I take her down to that same piece of property the same ridge. The first turkey she ever heard gobble was on that same field on that ridge. My little boy, when he got old enough, the same, the first turkey he ever heard on that same ridge. And um, so, so Easterns, I mean, I got a, I got a special place in my heart for them, but long story short, when I go out West, it's just the country that gets me intrigued. You know, the, the big sky, the little patches of woods, the things that you wouldn't think a turkey would roost in they're you know, they're 12 foot off the ground where here they're 50 foot up in the air in a big oak tree or a big pine tree. And you hear them and you're looking, you're like, I know he's up there somewhere and you can't ever see them. Well, out there, they can be anywhere. So, uh, you know, it just out there, the, the, the lack of water, um, just seeing all the other animals, you know, when you're out there hunting, I just, I think the Rio's really got my heart. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I always try to ask a, a variation of that question. We'll keep it turkey specific for this episode, but uh, that's that's cool. I've heard lots of great things about Rios. I haven't had the opportunity to hunt them myself, 
Um, but they're on the list, that's for sure. I've heard that they're just crazy. They are. They they're, and I don't want to say they're easy to cheapen them by no means. Yeah. But it's just the older I get, the the more I realize I don't have as much time as I did at one point in this life. And if they'll help me out making it successful, I appreciate every bit of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm very appreciative of them being dumb, if that's what you want to call it. So I don't uh, think that I don't time. that's I don't think there is such a thing as a dumb turkey. You know, I think that I think there's I think there's turkeys that are uneducated, but I don't think there's any dumb ones. You know, it's that's, I, I agree with you. I say they are the luckiest animal in the world. I'm not, I've never said they're the smartest, but they are the luckiest animal that I've ever crossed paths with. Some of the stuff that they stumble their way into and out of, you're like, how, how does that work? You know? Yes. It's just mind blowing and infuriating at the same time. You think you got a slam dunk on one and the next thing you know, it just comes in with, comes in with a tree between you and him the entire time you know and it's like yep how does that happen walks in behind it turns and walks away from you behind it <laughs> yeah might stick his head out one time to let you know that he knows you're back there get right back behind that tree and walk off gobbling the whole time and you're sitting there going there's nothing i can do nope no that's nope. it 100 man 100 yeah it's there it's it's interesting because i'll go all i'll go all year not really thinking all that much about turkey hunting but then when it's time to turkey hunt dude i'm all in it's it's like yeah. I, I and i can't get enough of it it's all i want to do this time of year <laughs> yeah it gets to the point where i like right now i'm looking at it going we got two weeks left and i get that weird and it's a weird way to think about it but i'm like i got to get as much of it as i can because it's going to be gone for a year. You know, it's almost like a, like I said earlier, it's an addiction to where you just want to gobble up as much of it as you can, because you know, you're not going to get it for a long time. <laughs> so you're like, I don't care if it's thunderstorming or if it's windy, I'm just going to go try it because I know I'm not going to get to go again for a year. You know? Right. Right. What's your bag limit there in, in Georgia? They knocked us down this year to two. Um, we've been three forever. That's what I thought. Um, you know, with the decline nationwide, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. But with the decline nationwide, uh, the Georgia DNR pushed our season back two weeks this year. Um, we have a really long season. You know, we usually go about two months. But um, they pushed us back two weeks this year in hopes that some of the mature birds would breed early. Um, and then they lowered our bag limit to only two. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, we've been in a, in a real bad decline. And nobody, it's been unexplicable, to be honest with you. You know, I, you could get me, I'll talk about this for hours. And, and I wish I had, you know, Dr. Chamberlain's degrees and, and his knowledge behind it, because I love, I love reading his stuff and I love hearing his opinion on things. But I just, my gut, this is the, the redneck plumber side of me, is there's more to the story we hadn't figured out yet. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is but there's something happening to all of our birds. There's something happening. I love to shoot crows. Like, I don't know if you know much about me, but like, like I despise a crow worse than anything. I hate a crow and I, and I love to shoot them. And during the fall, I spend a lot of time shooting crows because our duck hunting is so terrible. But the crows have declined in the last 20 years. And a lot of people don't realize that. There's, and, and they blame it on the huge crow roost that used to be in Kansas in the Midwest 
the feds come in and they would dynamite these huge roof sites when there was 10,000 crows in there roosting. Well, that was a long time ago. And now there's just not the numbers of crows like there used to be. Well, then you also look, there's nowhere near the number of quail. There's nowhere near the number of turkeys. There's nowhere near the number of ducks. And every, every segment of these feathered animals, there's a different group of people that say, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. You know, ducks, it's because we had a dry pothole region or quails because the fire ants or the, there's not enough native grasses or turkeys is because the predation, um, crows because they blasted all the, the roosting sites. Well, I look at it and paint it with a broad brush and I'm like, wait a minute, all these things have declined that have eggs. Is there something in the corn? Is there something in the grain? Is there something that these birds are being exposed to that's keeping there from producing eggs? Or is there something else? Because I, I understand all the other research that's out there, but you know, the rednecks out of me, the backyard scientist is going, why is it just these feathered animals that we're having such a problem with? And then I look at the South and I look at Kentucky, I look at South Carolina, I look at Georgia, Alabama, all these states that have allowed baiting in the last, you know, couple of years. And their turkey populations are just plummeting. And I'm like, well, that kind of leads to maybe these turkeys are eating all this corn. Maybe it's hurting them, you know, or, and, and I don't know, is it a fungus on the corn or, you know, and like I said, I don't know much about it, but I just feel like there's more to the story that we figured out. And I'm just hoping that somebody like Dr. Dr. Chamberlain or somebody that's working with NWTF will flip that last card over to where we can go, aha, there it is. But what scares me is I feel like we don't know yet. You know, we're just kind of poking around in the fire waiting for something to spark up and we don't know what it is. You know, that's a really good point. We're, we're working on a sage grouse project right now because they're same thing. It's declining and we have, there's no, there's no one thing. You know, if, if there was, yeah. a, if there was a silver bullet, we wouldn't be having these issues. We'd fix it, but there isn't, you know, and, and we're talking to biologists and we're making film and we're doing all this stuff to try to bring attention to this going, Hey, there's a real problem here with that is something's wrong, you know, and it's tied in with our mule deer out here. It's tied in with prairie grouse in the plant on the plain States. There's lots and lots of different factors and I think you're right, man. Hopefully one of these days we'll, like you said, we'll spark something up and go, okay, it's, this is what we need to do to fix this problem. But until that happens, man, I, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't. And we're, and we're, we're the exact opposite out here when it comes to turkeys. We're, they're still expanding their range out here, you know, and there's turkeys every year showing up in places where they didn't exist before. And, but our turkeys get pounded on with weather so heavily and predators so bad that, I mean, we get one hard winter and you go and find piles of dead turkeys under roost trees in the springtime because it was 30 below for, it was 30 below for two weeks and they froze to death. You know, it's, we're, we're at the extreme edge of the wild turkeys range. You know, you, you look at well, Miriam's turkey, for example, yeah, historically they inhabited the Black Hills and down through Nebraska and parts of the Rocky Mountain West, but little pockets here and there. And now they're just, they're expanding and expanding and expanding to the point where there's, there's, there's birds in places there have never birds before. So hopefully we can put all those puzzle pieces together and figure this out. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for us all to work together on stuff. And, and that's why I'm like, you know, in my, 
in my bio on Instagram, you know, that's, that's the one thing I put on there is support companies, support companies that support modern conservation, because if we don't do something about it, they're not going to be here for my kids and for their kids. And, and that's the one thing that tears me up because I just know the joy that I've gotten out of hunting and, and the stuff that it's, the, the lessons it's taught me in life, the people that it's allowed me to meet. And if I don't do something to protect that, I couldn't sleep at night. You know what I mean? If I don't do something to help promote it. Now, granted, I love to shoot it. You know, if they told me I could shoot 10, I'd shoot 10. You know, but at the same time, if they tell me I can only shoot one, I'll be like, okay, if that's what you say. And, and the, the science supports it. I'll just shoot one, but, but we need to figure it out. And, and I just, I don't know. It's kind of a scary place we are right now because nobody can say definitely this is what's doing it, you know, and it's just a weird place. I've never been in a place um, in the outdoors like I am now with the turkeys. And I don't think a lot of people have, you know, and, and now the use talking about a terrible year for ducks. They're talking about reducing the, the bag limit and you know and i'm just like well you know if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be the hunters we're the ones that did it the first time and and we'll be the ones to step up and carry the ball for this yeah no you're you are spot on with that 100 percent. yeah it's it's really interesting what you say because i completely man that just completely slipped through my the cracks in my brain <laughs> oh man um what was i trying to what was i where was i going with that uh oh Back to what you said earlier about the, the turkey on the on the ridge on the roost. Your three kids now, or your two kids, you know, three generations of people that have that one ridge. Dude, I was in the same boat when I was a kid. I lived way up north in in Michigan. We didn't have turkeys. They, they didn't exist up there. They, the, you know, they couldn't winter out up there. And Michigan in general didn't have a lot of turkeys back in those days. They did reintroduction efforts. They did all kinds of stuff, and it was a big deal to get a turkey tag and go hunt in a small geographic area where there were birds. And now there's birds everywhere back there, you know? And, but I remember a time when hunting a turkey was a big deal. It wasn't just something, yeah. you know, and we looked at you guys in the South, specifically Tennessee. It seemed like Tennessee was like the hotbed of turkey hunting forever, right? And it was like, well, some, someday I'm going to Tennessee to hunt turkeys. Someday I'm going to Missouri to hunt turkeys and now you can hunt them all over the place. They are, a, they are a massive success story, but they're in trouble. They need help. And I think yeah. you're spot on when you say it's all of us need to work together using those relationships that we have built in order to figure out this problem. Cause it ain't just turkeys. I think you're right. I think right. it's, con I think it's all connected. Well, that's it. And, and, you know, who knows in, you know, what's, what's going to be the missing link that, that ties it all together. I don't know, but there has to be something for it to be that commonality between all these animals that, that nest and, and have eggs and now they're all in trouble, you know? And it's just, I don't know. It's just weird. You know, if you look across the board, the only thing that's even done uh, really well in the, in, in the recent history is the snow geese. You know, but but what makes them impervious to whatever other problems going on? I don't know, um, but maybe it's where they nest or something. You know, but uh, there's people smarter than me that I hope figure it out. That's what. Yeah, I'm no, I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> I am right there with you. I'm I'm thinking. You know, I had I was fortunate enough to have Dr. Chamberlain on, and that man yes. is. I see. 
Dude, that man is a fount of knowledge. And we need oh. him and others like him working on that project to get, to get it figured out. And we need to support them. We need to support that research yeah. with our dollars, with our tax dollars, with, you know, we need to, we need to be buying, keep buying hunting gear, keep buying bow fishing equipment. So that those Pittman Robertson dollars keep rolling in so we can work on habitat projects and, and work on biological diversity studies and whatever we need to do to get it, to get it figured out. Cause you're spot on. It's a problem. And it's going to, we're going to be the ones to fix it because nobody else is going to step up to the plate. No, no. Everybody else is, is worried about what bathroom to use and, and you know, they're not worried about the wild turkey. So that's another podcast. <laughs> there's another, there's a, there's one of those famous one liners right there. I tell you what, <laughs> Oh, good night. Oh man. Well, I really appreciate your time. And I think we need to do this again, maybe around a yeah. some duck, duck season. And if you get a, you get a, an itch to scratch about coming out West, you holler at me, man. I'll have a duck blind okay. or a turkey, a turkey stand someplace that we'll go. I'd love to love to share share some hunt time with you. Well, definitely, and and the feelings mutual. You know, if you guys ever get a wild hare this summer and get bored and need to get a a few credits out of the house and head south, we'll be glad to throw you on the airboat and let you shoot some fish or chase me some very well. Me very yeah. well. Take you up on that. I tell you what, we we damp a car sitting next to next door to me in the next office over. And he and I filmed a couple of years ago, filmed a little carp shooting episode out here, not far away. And oh, I, y'all I have some, y'all have some excellent stuff out there. Really good. Yeah. It, when it floods up, we get the right amount of water and stuff floods. It could be ridiculous, you know, but it was, I look at what you guys do and that's, that's big time, you know, and that, that looks like a lot of fun. It's a blast, man. We'd love to have you. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. And I'll catch you on the flip side. All right, buddy. Thank you. My pleasure.